Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy with the Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin here. And today we were very excited to have with us the lovely Nancy Elliott, weren't we Anita? We didn't know much about her before we jumped on, did we? But I, I knew, I, do you know what I knew? That we were doing a podcast with someone, that's it. She didn't even know her name, whether it was male or female. Um, but do you know, I said this to you afterwards, didn't I? Do you know sometimes when you meet people and you think, oh, I reckon I could be friends with them. I just yeah. clicked, didn't we? We just, yeah, I, loved, we all I just loved got her. On, yeah. I loved what she said. I loved her attitude about stuff and her honesty and openness and definitely we'll meet up with her and definitely we'll catch up with her in a year and see if what she says in the podcast. Yeah, don't know spoilers. See spoiler if she alert. says what she yeah. said does come true because it will be yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's quite amusing. Although notice we're not jumping in there. I've done it before so uh yeah so you're intrigued now aren't you if you're listening to this you'll have to listen to the whole podcast to find out but yeah it did feel like that feel like it's definitely somebody that you can get on with in real life not just in online life this lady helps people that are single but you don't have to be single to listen to this I think it'd be useful even if you are with a partner you've got no intention of splitting up with them you're happily married whatever it's still worth listening to this because the advice that she she gives is super useful to maybe enhance your relationship even more but more so it's about loving yourself um that sounds really naff when you say that like that but don't mean it in like a naff way as, at all um it's, yeah it's, i think about it, self-love yeah you yeah <laughs> we all know what anita feels about self-love what comes springs to her it's a very mind, healthy to thing to do <laughs> <laughs> um when people say that so sometimes that can sound a bit wanky <laughs> It sound a bit, it sound a bit wanky when we say that, but we don't mean in that naff way. So anyway, let's stop talking down. Oh, let's yeah, get yeah. on with it. Let's get, let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. So I am an accredited psychotherapist and coach, and I work with women really concerning anything to do with love, relationships, self-love and letting go. One of my main signature programs is working with single women. I'm very interested in single women and how we are seen, perceived, and how we work that single space. Under this general umbrella of women and relationship health, that being relationship with oneself and relationship with others. So how are single women perceived, do you think? I think the single woman is a bit of a threat to society. Because I I happen to think that we- We're trouble. We really do destabilize some very old structures about how one should live one's life. You know, and if you think about the family structure, it is just that. It's like a construction. You know, I think we always get this idea that being with someone, being married, creating a family, of course it is natural. I mean, it's a biological drive. But, you know, when the Industrial Revolution came around and things like that, the woman getting married and um, becoming part of this union and staying at home with the children and having a very specific role was imperative to the survival of that time. So it's not that we were just born like this. It's that we became almost commodified so that we could support a particular system. Yeah, we could facilitate them going to work, couldn't we? Facilitate them going to work and facilitate the bigger economy. Mm. Now, that's lovely. And and I think we all want to do our part, you know, to bolster the economy of the place we live in. But there's some issues with that when it comes to our actual romantic, emotional health and what's really going on behind closed doors, what we really want, who we really are. In that sense, I think that the single woman 
you know, we are now causing some problems in terms of when we look at this model, we're not fitting into that model. What are we doing? What are these disruptive, radical women doing outside of this system? And that's why you get all these narratives and rhetoric about these sad, depressed, lonely, single women, when actually, I think being single is one of the most powerful things you can be. I do get lonely. We do get lonely, yes. But married yeah. women get lonely. Oh, married people get lonely. Lonely. Awesome. lonely. I mean, they're probably more lonely. No, I won't, I won't go there. But, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, there's a lot to say. But yes, of course, you know, it gets very difficult socially when you have these swathes of, um, you know, this kind of community, this tribe moving outside of expected norms. So people get nervous. So then you find these new narratives getting born to say, come on, ladies, you're, you're washed up, get married, go for it. And we're left with all this sort of oppressive rhetoric and it, it makes us feel bad about ourselves. Yeah, even though you can actually be pretty happy. But because society's saying something, and I guess that's perpetuated by TV and, you know, um, people you meet and you go, oh, who are you here with your other half? And, you know, sayings like yeah. that, like you're not a whole person on your own. It kind of creates some kind of confusion, I guess, in your mind. And it's yeah. hurtful. I think, you know, I went on holiday with my daughter we, in such a beautiful place in Jamaica. And uh, there was this little boy, he was like 13. I think he'd got a bit of a crush and he was sort of confused. He was confused as to where my husband was, you know, like he was a bit of a, a very forthright young man. And he said, are you, are you, are you a lesbian? And like, this is a guy, and I was like, no, you know, but, but, and I know it's silly, but it's just something about the younger gen, you know, how we are perceived, this innocent mind that has a real sense that has, you know, internalized this socially constructed sense of what a single woman means. Well, she's either a lesbian or she's something, her husband's gone missing. Something, something bad's happened to her, yeah. People always assume when, like, you're a single parent that, like, something's happened to you, like, because they've left or something, rather than actually you made that choice for that exactly. to happen because you didn't want to be with the father of the children yes. anymore. And that that's why you've decided to do that, definitely. Well, it's just, I'm so passionate about all of this, being a single mum myself and having made that choice. And it's just so powerful how frightened you know, people are of us. I don't know your I, both, you know, situations, but I'm getting the sense that you're single. We're so frightening. And I think that what happens, you know, even with my co-parenting, I get on so well with my daughter's dad. He's always at the school, anything. And so many of the parents, I can feel their fear. They think you can't be okay. Because yeah. we are held together by the fact that we wouldn't survive and our children wouldn't survive if we break up. So you can't go around flashing off this model of healthy co-parenting and laughing and joking with each other. Yeah. Because that means that we might have to seriously look at what we're doing and the fact that we're, some of us aren't happy. We're clinging on to this idea that for the children... And for happiness, we have to stay together. It's it's, it's just not... Yeah. Society has changed so much. And women, uh, you know, obviously we're not equal, but we, we've got jobs and, you know, we're independent and we're often the main breadwinner and we're very successful. Yet the society is still clinging to this concept of mum, dad, children yeah. or you being in a relationship rather than saying actually even when divorce is like one in two now yet we're still clinging that the ideal is to be married I wonder what it will take to change that 
just been this weekend my son had a football tournament so I've got two children they've got different dads I'm not with either of the dads anymore and I was with another guy for about three years or something and I've recently split up with him so now I'm single so that's why I was like oh yes this lady will be good to come on literally like a couple of months ago I split up with him it's my son's who's playing football he's nine my daughter's dad is there watching him because he loves him he thinks he's great and we get on really well and then the dad of my son is there and we're all talking just like normal people don't get me wrong we don't all get on all the time but like we're just all enjoying watching the football getting on and it's not even his child and yeah you're right it must really baffle people and then on top of that the women that think that you're going to steal their husband because you're single so of course you're going to want their man it's like no it's so true and you know there's so much to say about all of this but at the heart of this what I think is important is human beings trying to find connection, genuine, authentic connection and love and self-love. These are the dynamics at the heart of all of this. And children are born from these unions and friendships are made and hearts are broken. There's a lot of stuff that comes from it. But at the very core, you know, this is where, where I'm really passionate. You know, it's us finding a way to understand how to relate, to understand how to give and receive love more efficiently, more effectively, how to understand what stands in the way of us being able to really love each other properly so that we perhaps can see if there is something in this sort of forever till death do us part thing, but yeah. they're so we're so wounded, you know, we're so traumatized. We come from so many different issues. And I want us to just start telling the truth. So many of my married friends are, I'm saying and most of them aren't on LinkedIn, thank God. Well, some of them are. <laughs> anyway, it is what don't send them this podcast. Don't send them this podcast. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, they're not happy. And I think that. You know, I'm yeah, lots of mine aren't. Yeah, and not they. And what I'm the big word that comes up for me is settling. You know, I went out for a dinner with yeah. my daughter's friends, um, mothers, and it's all this very middle class sort of you know environment, which I I mentioned that because I think working class people are just more honest. They're like, I can't stand it gets mm. my bloody nerves. You know, but there's something about the middle class. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. the truth. There's like yeah, another yeah. middle class pretension that everything's okay, you know. And so we were like, I said to them, you know, if you met your husbands today, I mean, obviously the table went, there was a stony silence because we, we're not supposed to talk about these things. Those of you who've been married 10, 15, 20 years, would you marry him? And the table went so quiet. Mm. And I don't really know these women very well. And one of the women, all of them said, oh, yes, absolutely, yes. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, because <laughs> and ask the husband if they buy. Well, exactly. <laughs> the point is, because we grow, I, you know, I advocate finding love, normalise finding love in your 40s, discovering yourself in your 50s, getting to know new career paths. We have really been duped, you know, by a society that has put us into these boxes for the purpose of many different purposes, but ultimately trying to boost the economy, trying to get us in an order, which, you know, we need to do. Yeah. But perhaps conforming, this is isn't it? We need to be conforming. All... Everybody needs to feel it's so sad when you see like, you know, people feeling a need to go like to have their GCSEs, A-levels, university, get a job, find a partner, the pressure's on, then you must marry, you must have children. That, and it's like that, it's like 
they especially if you hang out with people that are just your own age as well that type kind of happens and then you're everybody's having stag do's at the same time everyone's and it's all that keeping up with the joneses oh you've been with you've been with your partner for longer than i've been with mine and i'm already engaged and i'm about to get married so there's pressure on the other one because i'm a bit anti-married well i'm very anti-married and i've said lots of times like it's just made up thing and you're doing it because you've got pressure most men don't want to do it but they go along with it because of the pressure when i've said that loads of guys have said yeah that's right so, so right i just felt i had to do it I didn't really want to because years ago we all died by the time we were 30 or 40 so the reason we were here is to have babies and then yeah stay together because obviously the woman wasn't allowed to work then so and also you didn't have the pill sometimes you'd have like I don't even know how many kids like 15 children because they just keep coming out and so someone's got to stay home and look after them and then we'd all like die early now we, we didn't we like didn't die that early hundred you're talking thousands of years ago when we died yeah, but if you early. didn't have the pill you have to keep having these babies because it, if you kept having sex you just keep yeah. having all these babies and then you're just trapped in that thing you can't go and earn a living yourself and all that's been disrupted massively so really is there a place for you surely they got married before because of that security of like well you must choose that one as your wife because you've got to look after them now she's going to have all these kids and she can't work herself and it just doesn't connect but everybody just does it because they always have and they don't really i'm not i'm not anti-marriage i think marriage is lovely love getting married, but i am i am anti a bad marriage yeah. oh yeah a lot of people like you say, they settle. Get guilty into that, it. Yeah, almost like maybe take this till death do us part out because yeah. you know you you change as you go along. And actually, yeah. what I love now is I don't have that. It's the biology, isn't it, that forces you into it because you want that family unit because you've got that mm. biological clock ticking and that urge to have children. And society's norm is to say get married and then you'll have that security. You have two parents. You know whether they're same sex or, or different sexes doesn't matter. But they'll have two parents and that's the norm. And that's what's pressurizing you. And if you take that away and it's gone for me now at my age then there is no like need it's about choice isn't it well it should be and I think you know I'm very much um pro-marriage myself but I think Mm. part of the problem is you know women we do fall in love and we do love these men or these partners whatever it is that we choose we love but I think the problem is that we've got two people with two sets of childhoods and two sets of trauma or you know, ways of attaching themselves and 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 socialization issues and conditioning issues and internalizing all sorts of problems from their parents. We've got, you know, these two ecosystems that are really powerfully dynamic and we're trying to merge them. And mm. I think happily. Happily. Not just <laughs> yeah. chaotic, we do it chaotically at work. But yeah. we're trying to merge them happily. That's what we're failing at. I think that my friends probably love their husbands and their husbands probably love them. But what happens is he begins to do this, she begins to react like this, or she does this, he responds this way, and they don't know how to get these ecosystems to sort of integrate rather than just clash every minute. And it's a process that we should have been learning, but we haven't been learning them. And so we begin to fall out of love because he's just not this and she's not that. And it's not that there wasn't love and it's not that it couldn't have worked. Sometimes it's that, that there isn't love. And, you know, I just wrote an article for the South Londoner. I'm their columnist every month. And it's it's and the, the, the sort of title was, um, can we withstand regeneration in our relationships? And it's all about the idea that we have to accept these sort of life, death, life cycles and be, you know, flexible enough to keep moving together and not just when something's dying, you know, one aspect of our our relationship, the way we relate is dying, we can move together, you know, into the next phase and not blame or not hate or not 
resent or worry that something terrible is happening, but yet something new is emerging, and that's beautiful. Yeah. And we don't think like that. When he starts getting all by the TV or she starts being more interested in her friends, the, the relationship is communicating a need for some type of movement. Yeah. And we get scared of that. So we start thinking, oh, he doesn't love me, blah, blah, I don't love him. But there's a whole bunch of tools, techniques and skills that we need to learn to love each other properly. And I believe we can have life partners and we can have such passionate, sexy, clever, creative unions. We just don't really know how. Yeah, we don't really choose to. But the thing is, the likelihood that the paths are going to go the same way and that that's going to happen, the communication and both of those parties are on board with, oh, yeah, we get it. And that's the thing when you see you do see those people that have been together for years and genuinely they've stayed together because that's magically somehow happened that they've actually both got into it. Not similar things, but they both encourage their other halves to do different things and follow different paths. And then they've, but they've always come together and gone on that journey together. And those are the ones that make it and then are happy. But there's a very, very, very small percentage. And they probably can't articulate why it was just natural. Or it's Even just they what would they have did. had a load of dip. Nobody's helping us with this stuff, yeah. are they? No, it's like, yeah. oh, just get married and happily ever after. That's the fair. Yeah, that's the worst and, thing. And nobody's yeah. saying, actually, when you will hit adversity and here's how you can mm. get through it. Yeah, because it's um, like, get married, then you'll be fine. But I never read all those books when I was a kid. I was too busy playing with my brother's toys and tractors and things. So maybe that's why my head's not full of the fairy tale. It's, it's like all so around us, though, just, isn't it? Well, yeah. You know, even like this turned into modern day films, rom-coms, all, always yeah. a happy ending. So mm. we can't avoid it. But yeah, like... Like, like I say, nobody's saying, okay, here's how to handle that adversity and here's yeah. how to get through this it. This will happen. Expect yeah. this. Yeah, it's normal. Yeah. You're not a failure. I guess, you know, what you were saying as well, and you're right, Anita, no one is saying that. And I, I think this stuff should be talked about in schools, just like mm. finance. You know, how do you manage your money? Like, I think these, mm. these are real things. Like, I love English literature. You know, let's do some of that. But come on. Centrally, yeah. we need to know how to be human beings and function in the world and it's all you know Emily Bronte is not going to help well actually she does help me to be quite honest because I'm still looking for my Darcy but I'll, you know she's not going to help me with the dishes right and he's not yeah. doing any work it's we need some functional practical advice and we need to know that just because love feels magical you know in your tummy you feel and you feel dizzy and your throat's dry it doesn't mean in order to sustain it you just wait for these sort of magical feelings that will guide you. Love, like I always say to my clients, like anything else, if you wanted to be a lawyer, you wouldn't just go, I just feel like I know how to be a lawyer. Yeah. I'm not sure it's society's interest to sort this out because we'd just keep like feeling a bit disgruntled about this and a bit unhappy and my thoughts are with my marriage and my useless husband or my useless wife or whatever and if all that was sorted out maybe we'd then start to think about the other bigger issues going on well, we and, or starting our own stuff. business or you know well, exactly. we wouldn't buy all this stuff because we need to buy it because we're so stressed out he's not yeah. listening yeah I don't mean to yeah if it. he could just buy another new kitchen for me then yeah. that'll make me happy for 10 and minutes then he's like, oh, if I just get her another kitchen then she'll just shut up up. Yeah, so, yes. you know, this, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, we don't need to be centered and aligned. You know, one of the main tools that we need to have a successful relationship is to really love ourselves. Because yeah. when we really love ourselves, we pursue what makes us happy as individuals. So when he's like, honey, I want to go to Machu Picchu and climb Mount bloody whatever, you're like, darling, go for it. You know, you're not like, oh my God, what do you mean? You don't love me. You don't want me. You know, we are grounded and yeah. we love from a grounded place and that's when we can grow together and we can change and we can 
we can keep this movement going parallel because we're both pursuing those things that give us that energize us, that keep us centered in ourselves. And most of us are not doing that. And how do you sort of help the single women then that, for example, that they are now single and like you say, they are treated differently in society because they can't go to like the, you know, where like couples go and go out for, I don't know, dinner parties around each other's houses and things. And perhaps the invites are stopping for that or they're just finding that they don't fit in around those couple sort of spaces anymore that perhaps they did. What sort of advice have you got for those people? You know, I am a firm believer in the law of attraction. So I think that one's environment and creating an environment that supports and nurtures as you wherever you are at any given stage in your life is so important I guess what I always do is start from within and I say how are you feeling if you just had a breakup is it a 10 years since your divorce where are you at and then we work on how to really strengthen and bolster where you're at and what you want if you're a single woman and you've just had a breakup Perhaps it's more helpful to think about how to start healing and what went wrong for you. You may not think anything went wrong. You may have decided you just want to walk out. But I always want to stay where you are. I don't want to move too quickly to the environment because to me, I need to know how is she feeling? What is she dealing with? Making sure there's no sort of rushing off into the next phase before there's oh, yeah. a reflection. Because yeah. we do that. We just want to go and we just rush off. Yeah, because there's some like, so you you hear it, don't you? Actually, women are probably more likely to heal and things than the guy. Like the guy's more likely to go and quickly rebound out there as quick as they possibly can, whereas women's probably more. But then again, women do that as well. Oh, no, if you want to get over someone, get under someone. That's what I always <laughs> say. <laughs> Quote from Anita Baldwin there. <laughs> Life advice. <laughs> Thank you. That's a very interesting. That never works for me personally. I mean, I absolutely tried that, but it didn't work for me. And that's the thing. Every woman is different. The one thing we all have in common is that we all feel and we all hurt and we all can heal and we can all be powerfully aligned with our purpose. And these inner things we've all got in common. But everyone's different. If I sleep with someone else, I just, first of all, I can't. I'm just frozen after a breakup or if my heart's broken, I just can't do it. So, you know, but I have friends who can do it. You know, so that's why every woman for me is unique. It's like, where, what are you dealing with? What's your way of coping? Is that what you want to do? Fine. Then let's think about how that will work for you. And let's do that if that works for you. Like, I'm just not right. Make sure it works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because, you know. Not you're going to feel even worse after that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So basically spend some time with yourself. Think about yourself, reflect and things like that afterwards you know and and think instead of just like yeah you said like you say rushing out back out there to try and build up this new life that you you feel that you need to create quickly uh, because now you are single so you're moving into that sort of space whenever there's urgency i get real curious with my clients whenever there is a sense of urgency because that for me is like why is it urgent if i said to you you're not going to meet someone really nice and serious for two years how would you feel oh god great two years I'm like happy with <laughs> yeah I'm just like you know to split up with somebody is like because you don't want to be with that person anymore but 
completely fine kind of on my own sort of thing so it's not like plus the older you get yeah. the quicker time goes two years to me it's like waiting two weeks when I was about and 10 so years much old stuff do you remember could, when so much yeah so much stuff you had to wait for Christmas and it was a week away and it felt like forever like or your forever, birthday yeah. or whatever and now if you said that'll happen in two years I'd go mm. yeah right <laughs> it'll be here yeah. in the blink of an eye yeah. but that's always kind of a measure that I use to find out you know where a woman is but that doesn't mean just because you are okay with the two years that you're okay you know there are two types of women I think when it comes to relationships and there's the ones who cling and the ones who withdraw and avoid you know I think that obviously we are multifaceted varied and things but I think broadly speaking we kind of fit into those categories around romantic love you know I always struggled with letting go even when I knew the thing was shit I would be like yeah okay I'm not gonna call okay you know but some women they just shut down now, you know, mm. I don't know. Um, I don't know I, which I am, genuinely. I'm the bit of both, or have been in the past. Well, I obviously haven't known either of you for very long. I think Anna might be someone who will just um, maybe sort of withdraw a bit. And, yeah, I'm not bothered. Yeah, I, there's no way I'm clinging. But that's interesting. No. Yeah. And Anita, I kind of don't know. Like, I think what I'm getting from you very quickly is just something about, I don't know, actually, because I think that you seem like someone who would get quite still. I can, yeah, definitely. But I also think I've held on to relationships in hindsight for longer than I should have. Yeah. Because I think probably because of um, society. It's a bit personal, isn't it? But sometimes I blame myself and think I've got to keep trying. It'll work out. You know, I'm quite a positive person. And so, yeah. No, the thing about that, look, it's so complex. You know, I'm a psychodynamic therapist, right? So my work is all about art where the unconscious, you know, it's all about what's going on under the surface. You know, 90 odd percent of what we do is not conscious. And I think that we really don't know ourselves as much as we think we do. I just ask that we just keep an open mind about what might be going on for us because we think we know. And we're like, this is why I'm doing this and this is what I'm doing. But if we just keep an open mind, like a more, a softer space about what's going on, we can receive more information about it from all the different wonderful places that it comes from. But, you know, if we get hardened and hardening is definitely a way we cope. I always say this, look, in order to analyze something, you have to get perspective. And in order to get perspective on something, you need distance. When we're trying to figure out what happened and who we are and what we need, we need connection. We don't need distance. We need because you can't heal something if you can't feel it. I just always guard against, you know, just sitting back and, and sort of having too many thoughts and more about feeling, you know, growth, development, changing when it comes to love is about feeling. It's about sitting. It's about breathing. It's about all these embodied things that we didn't do in the past. Like in the past, we just talk therapy. Now we've got to do other things. Otherwise, we yeah. get honestly, we get stuck in our heads. That's why yeah, meditation's great, isn't it? Throughout like your life, wherever you are, whether you're happy, sad, things are happening, not happening, you know, like just to still take that time out to just meditate every day, even if it's just for like five, ten minutes. So you've just done it. And sometimes you don't, you're like, oh, I don't know what the point of that was today. But it kind of what the, what the would have been a point and it would have been useful, but you perhaps didn't know then, if that makes sense. I it does make complete yeah. sense, Anna. And I think that meditation is so powerful. But another thing I notice in working analytically is that whatever you're avoiding, anything you take on, even spirituality, meditation, is going to be filtered through the avoidance, right? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? So if you think yes. I refuse to... Men, you men are lies and they're not trustworthy. If you unconsciously, you know, never mind consciously, mm. if you have these unconscious ideas about love, 
you can do as much prayer, meditation, retreats, flipping ayahuasca. You can do whatever you What's want. Ayahuasca? Mexican drug that's supposed oh. to. You know, oh, I haven't had that. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I think I've just yes. seen that in that trip. But you can do whatever you want to. But because whatever ideas you're holding on to unconsciously become filters. So whatever you hear and what, whatever you digest, it's going to go through that filter. That's why when I work with women, I always want to know what are their unconscious beliefs about love. Not what you're telling me. Let's try and get deeper and deeper and deeper because that's where we can begin to really free you up to really love to really love because these filters are powerful and we yeah. can we're not we're not healing we're praying we're meditating we're getting still we're breathing you know we're doing the the things but we're not healing because we have a filter on just like those filters i love on instagram you know, I mean, I don't, they don't look like me, but, they look, <laughs> but, but you know, everything is, is filtered. So it's really about this deep work. And also, you know, it's really about that to get to, you know, I have suffered my whole freaking life because my, my parents really didn't know how to give and receive love. They really didn't. And to each other. To each other and yeah. to themselves. Yeah. And, okay. and so they had four kids. And we're all there in this 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 chaotic, toxic, redundant, desperate situation with these two people trying to love each other, actually genuinely loving each other, but not having a clue how to connect, yeah. you know. So here we are as children. There I go out into the world as an 18-year-old, 17-year-old, haven't got a clue how to love. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. And it goes on and on. And all my defences and my inner mechanism, my unconscious are just, it's a storm, and it takes me a while. It takes me to get into AA, to, to somebody to say, you know, those people who go to the party after the party, you know, I realise they're the lonely ones. And I thought, oh, what are you talking about? I just need, I just want more champagne. Yeah. I'm not lonely. There's sometimes yeah. it's like a really, like not even an insult. It's just a statement that just oh, suddenly hits it, home it, it, to you. Like, like when I, when I split up with my husband, right? the father of my children, and I like did hit the booze not for long a few months but quite a lot and I, my son was four or five at the time and I went to put him to bed and I went to give him a kiss and he just said to me oh not wine breath again mom mm. and that was the thing that made me think Jesus this is getting ridiculous now you're right and when your little child he's not trying to be mean he's just not an observation and that was the thing that hit home to me and I was like I, I do still drink but not, not on that scale yeah. thank yeah. god so I, I quit drinking 13 years ago and it was because I didn't need to go to rehab or AA or anything like that. I just knew it, this was too much. Now I didn't want to be cut. Like I just thought, another 10 years, I don't want to be like, you know, these women with the red cheeks and the wine Scary. belly and all that. You know, I just, I used to be out every single night. And like you say, not just out, but like continuing and continuing all the while. Just a real party girl kind of thing. But yeah. it was the actual stopping of drinking. I didn't drink because I thought I was lonely or because of any of those reasons. I didn't stop drinking because of those reasons. I stopped because... I just didn't think it was going to look attractive to me on me as I got older. And also because I'd not long had my daughter. And I'd, of course, well, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I stopped drinking for nine months and saw a different world that I didn't realize was going on in all the times that I was drinking. So then when I started introducing drink again, I thought, ah, it's not for me. I need to actually properly drink because I didn't know about like just having one or two glasses of wine. I was, As I said, I was just like, keep going. So yeah, it's interesting what, what you say because you do learn a lot through that process because you can't just continue going out, doing all the different things. You, and you, you do have to meet different people and go to different things. So you're kind of forced to have that 
work put on yourself. But what you say about insights and how things drop to you at the minute, my person that keeps dropping little bloody bombs of things is my cleaner. She comes around here, she just asks the most poignant questions and it really like does my head in because generally like day to day, you know, I work for myself now, they've got the kids. Well, no one really challenges me that that much. Um, so, but then she will, she'll just run and she's lovely, like she's in her seventies and she'll just, she'll say, oh, but do you this? And I think, get And I have to think yeah. about that and I think, and then what she says really like stays in my mind. So it's good to be yes, open good. to listen really to good. different people that it is good. It is come good. from anywhere, can't it? Well, it can. And you see, we can choose, you know, we don't need to do coaching or therapy in our lives or any kind of self-development, but we should. We can live lives, but don't you want to live a full the best life? life? Yes. Mm. You know, don't you want to have this huge, vast, deep, emotional wellspring that just feeds you and keeps you happy and lets you love people and love yourself? And it's mm. so easy. The first thing our psyche does is shut us down when we are afraid. It's there to protect us. It's there to give us this balance. And so it's like, no, 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 this feels bad. It doesn't have any sense of whether it's good for us to grow that way, even if it's hurting. And so we're dealing with these real powerful forces internally that don't want us to think too much and to grow past what it knows. And that's why we become, you know, as women, we can become quite shut down. And what's scary about it, like any good functioning alcoholic, is nobody would know because we look perfectly healthy and we're like, you know, but we're so shut down. You know, as I was saying, you know, the suffering that can come from not knowing how to love ourselves and love each other and these generational things we pass to our children, we, we just need to stop it. Mm-hmm. We need to be responsible and just be brave and go tackle that shit and get some beautiful husband or some beautiful guy if that's what we want or don't or, you know, whatever we want to do. Let's do it, but let's not do it because we're afraid. Let's not not do it because we're afraid. And let's not be strangers to ourselves. But it has to be intentional because I remember someone saying to me years ago, which was like one of the most desperate things I've ever heard, that she just went, Anita, we're not, as human beings, we're not programmed to be happy. We're programmed to survive. And that was our day to day. That's what we need to do. So in terms of happiness, that's got to be a choice and you've got to work at it. It's never going to just happen. And I was like, shit, yeah, (laughs) God, who knew? But I think that when you start tapping into things like spirituality and meditation, you start to taste something that feels just beautiful and blissful. Mm. It's different from that survival mode. Well, that can mm. be contentment. You can get contentment. You you know, you've earned a nice check. Your place looks good. Your cleaner comes, you know. Once you start to taste this inner force that lets you know there's something huge here. There's something. Which is about that. also letting go of all the grudges and resentment. Yeah, letting you go build up through life on other people and on yourself as well, which is not well, easy to do. And it's something I learned later in life as yeah. well, but it genuinely makes you a happier person yeah i've surprised myself the people i've managed to forgive but you know what the thing is if you can't forgive others it means you've got a very harsh ego and you can't forgive yourself so this is why we suffer because if we don't do it for others we think i'm fuck them excuse me i don't know if i'm enough no no it's fine we always have an e on our podcast i love it i can do (laughs) you know you know you do you think fuck them like look at how he treated me or look at how she did i'm not her. I always say to to people, look, 
did this person betray you? Did they lie to you? Did they hurt you? Did they let you down? Did they disappoint you? So tell me, how many times do you do that to yourself in a day? How many times do you say, I'm off to the gym tomorrow and you don't go? Mm. How many times do you say, right, I'm not drinking this week and you got, you're on the, the Prosecco? How many times do you say, we betray, we lie? Not and- eating any chocolate today and you have it for breakfast. Exactly. And, and then there's the <laughs> you know, we, we, we do it to ourselves. Yeah. So why yeah. do we have such an expectation of others? We're all trying. We always ask two questions on this podcast. Um, one of them is where they get Savvy Club. So what makes you savvy? I think what makes me savvy, apart from my, you know, actual training and education, is the fact that I'm always open to learning from anyone and anywhere. And I love what you said about your cleaner because, you know, it's like my antenna is always up for, you know, picking up new ways that I can become more like aerodynamic in this life. I just want yeah. to move through stuff with yeah. with the least sort of suffering. So I think it's really clever. It's really savvy. It's just keep your ears open. And keep your heart and mind open and always remember that we have these all of these things inside of us trying to shut us down because it's hearts it's you've got to be brave to live fully and live bravely you know and live with courage so that's what makes me savvy i'm brave like i'm like oh let's go like it's scary i don't want to change i don't know what's on the other side but let's do it anyway the second question we always ask is um for you to recommend a book to our listeners so it could be um business book personal development book marketing book something that's helped you along the way well it's funny you should ask anna because i actually have a copy of my book here Uh and my daughter i'll get this one because my daughter drew on that one so my book that i've just written well it's on amazon now it's been out for a few months it's called the single girls rehab and um, it's 12 steps to getting the love you want. But really, when I talk about getting the love you want, I mean self-love. And, and why I think it's a really good book is because I actually use diagrams because I realize that it's not always easy to understand our processes, you know, how our unconscious processes work and start showing up in, in our relationships. What's kind of what underpins, what's the process that underpins the way we behave? limiting beliefs for example what lies beneath them and how do we look at them in a concrete way where we can see this is what I do this is where it started when I was younger this is what belief I formed about myself in relate in reaction to what happened this is how I'm continue to carry that belief into my relationships today and this is what I can do to begin to release that belief anything that I talk about that can become quite it can, it can feel quite hard to understand, especially if you're not sort of in deep in therapy work and all of this, I break it down really simply. So I think it's a great book in the sense that it's really easy to digest. And in 12 steps, it's based on the 12 step model. I was in sobriety for 12 years. You know, I was a member of AA, but I was also a sponsor. I, I'm not a member, I'm not in AA anymore, and I do still drink today, which is another story. But um, it was the most powerful time of my, my 30s, early 30s. Yeah, so I use the 12-step model. So I think it's great because it is a really clean, clear structure, one that's proven to help people transform. And it's um, really easy to understand. Absolutely, it will give you an understanding of yourself, how you're loving, what practices and tools you should really adopt to learn how to love, give and receive love more effectively. It's called The Single Girls Rehab. And it's Nancy Elliott. Nancy Elliott. Yeah. And I do have a link. How's the best way? Because obviously we connected on LinkedIn, didn't we? Is there like yes. other ways that you prefer? 
Yeah, I mean, my website's a good way. I just like, I'm just sort of redoing my website. And I hate to say these things, but I'm a human being. And, you know, I've changed some of the things and the programs I'm offering. So so it's just bear with me. Some of them, you know, are still some of the, the pages are still being done. But you can definitely get a good sense of who I am and what I offer and, and what I'm about. And it's Nancy Elliott Coaching, Nancy Elliott Coaching or one word dot com. So that's a good way to reach me. And of course, LinkedIn, you can just send me a a private message as well. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. See, I told you she was great. And I hope you love that as much as we loved making it. So I'm going to spring this on you, Anna. I went to a real life networking event in London on Monday. I was standing in for a friend. Name drop where it was. Name drop. It was in the Ivy in uh, on Tower Bridge. So it was lovely. It was a beautiful sunny day. London is beautiful in the sunshine, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I went there. Lovely food. Lovely ladies. And I was sitting next to someone, and this was an actual question she asked me. And she was a network marketer, and she was very shy actually. And she said to me, "How do I get out of my own way just to do it? Get out there? Well, just buy social media made easy." is my answer (laughs) yeah you should have told her that it's a process isn't it you can't take a pill if you could somebody would be making a lot of money um if you had a pill that you could just take and then it's like same as losing weight isn't it it doesn't happen overnight you have to put effort in but get your head in the game first like you were talking earlier about the book you read when you gave up drinking and someone wanted you to tell them what it was so they could give it to their sister or something like that yeah and you were like that's not going to work because you've got to get your head in the game it's a really strange one because People that knew me as a kid probably go, we weren't shy. And I wasn't shy when I was out with other children in the street. I definitely was when I was like around adults. I didn't know how to navigate being around an adult space. So I'd often just used to not say hardly anything. And same when I was actually at school because all these authority figures there. So it's a bit rough. So I just kind of kept my head down and got on. But in the street out with my friends or you know I was very confident I was loud and whatnot but they were like my peers but in any other sort of situation where I wasn't I was out of control or there was authority then I'd just retreat and not really say much so I definitely had to work on that myself and I did it by didn't have podcasts back in them days did it by reading um as my brothers used to take to make self-help books trying to fix yourself but yeah reading them books and then putting those things in into practice so she must know that she's shy in some way or like you say she wasn't she's confident enough to go along to a networking so she's actually she she uh, her friend roped her in at literally the last minute called her at 10 oh, to the hour they had to leave and she yeah. said that my first instinct was no and so i think she genuinely got roped into it um, but she yeah. did it still so that's yeah, like a did. mini mini win in itself really and then speaking yeah. to you who she didn't know at exactly all exactly for. yeah so yeah, so you can't, and I think um, we've been talking a lot about this recently, but, you know, lots of people are worried about petrol prices, food prices, inflation, blah, 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 but it's an opportunity, isn't it? Because if you can just about survive as you are, then where's your incentive to go out and do something that's way, way out your comfort zone? But if it's the difference between um, feeding your kids and staying in your house is just posting a little bit on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. consistently and showing up, then that's got to be worth it, hasn't it? Uh, In fact, it becomes a no-brainer, doesn't it? You've got to do it. So in a way, look at this as as an opportunity. But yeah, do get some help because there is a right way and a wrong way. There is an easy way and a hard way. And um, if you'd like, you know, take a big deep breath, get out there and do it and it fails, then that will self-fulfill your opinion of yourself that you're not good enough to do all of that kind of stuff and it's not that's not the case at all ever it's just you're probably doing it wrong you just need a bit of help yeah and Um, when you get like the tools to know what you're doing then it is easier as well so 
even if you are shy and you find it hard, if you've got a really easy plan to follow and a blueprint of right one step in front of the other, you do this, you do this, then it's going to be a lot easier for you. Yeah. Because you're our ideal client. Any old loudmouth can get out there, and lots mm. of them are, and lots of them are crap at what they do, but they talk the good talk. So our ideal client are the people who are really good at what they do. They're just not very good at talking about it. If you want to win the book, simply take a screenshot and tag us in it and we will put you all into a hat and somebody will win it and give us a review and a rating please anyway have a fantastic time whatever you guys are doing and we'll see you on the next episode bye bye that was marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club if you enjoyed it connect with us on social media just search get savvy club